In this digital first world, the old ways of recruiting are becoming obsolete. Or are they? The talent demands on every business has put TA squarely in the hot seat. Welcome to Talent Acquisition in the Trenches, a real dialogue podcast with talent acquisition pros closest to the front line. We want to talk to our peers who are actually doing the heavy lifting day in and day out. You're going to learn what their biggest challenges are and how they're being solved. I'm your host, Matt Reimer, and I'm here to talk about TA. I've been in TA for over 20 years, and what I know is that I don't know. I'm here to listen and learn just like you. No scripts, just real dialogue. My friends call me Reimer, so friends, let's create some new riffs with Reimer. Thanks for trenching in. Today's guest is Sean Pulseth. He is the head of sales at Humanly.io, a company harnessing generative AI and conversational AI in TA and HR high-volume hiring. Sean started his career in HR and talent doing his graduate studies in HR at the University of Toronto. He started his HR tech career working for an international media company where he launched the HR tech vertical, supporting emerging HR tech companies globally. He then moved to the startup side, working for Ideal.com, which was eventually acquired by Ceridian. There, he worked with many healthcare companies, again, around the world. At Humanly, he works with heads of TA and managers of TA, leaders of TA on a daily basis to solve their most challenging recruitment process and experience challenges in the high-volume recruiting space. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. I'm excited to be here. The mouthful of HR tech intro, but I, I think I think I got it. So, so hey, let, let's just start out of the gates here with a little elevator pitch. So, elevator pitch, minute or so, who is Humanly.io and what do they do? Yeah, for sure. So, Think of Humanly as a conversational co-pilot. And, and what I mean by that is within high volume recruitment, there seems to be a lot of still administrative and transactional. We can lead to challenges from efficiency, drop off, poor experience and brands. And we would want to help solve those three fundamental areas, whether it's the experience, it's the retention, or it's the quality as they go through the, the, the hiring processes. So what Humanly is set out to do is to solve those challenges by layering in conversational AI to their current system, whether it's an ATS, it could be a CRM, to ensure that we are automating some of that administrative and in blue collar, high volume hiring, whether it's hourly, it could be call center, some of those scenarios, we wanna make sure we automate as much as possible, but also make sure that candidate has a great experience. Now moving to the other side of, of high volume hiring, where it's professional or white collar, we wanna make sure that it's such a high touch candidate experience because that's a very, very different scenario than let's say blue call, blue collar mm. high volume. And we want to make sure that they get to a human right away. We want to make sure that this human connection is on, on, on the forefront within those um, companies such as healthcare, financial services, insurance, where candidate experience, internal bandwidth and quality are going to be on the forefront and make sure that goes into the onboarding experience and make sure that's completely layered in brand forward and making sure that candidates on the, on the front line there. Gotcha. A lot to unpack there. You know, we, we've obviously met and have had, had the opportunity to interact live at a few different conferences. And just yeah. most recently, we were at HR Tech together. And you certainly couldn't walk the floor at HR Tech without seeing AI attached to a company's name. Yeah. When, when Humanly says, you know, it, it, it's AI powered or however you position it, what does that what does that mean to you? And then maybe 
help us understand, you know, when, when you use the term generative AI, what, what does that mean? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I think walking through any type of HR tech event now, there seems to be AI on, to your point, on every slogan, every single vendor. And it means different things, right? Like I, I think AI seven, eight years ago, um, when I had started out kind of in the HR tech world, it a lot of it was around predictability. So mm -hmm. harnessing data, analyzing data, which is what AI does, but then being able to predict what that outcome could be, kind of like a Netflix or Amazon, as you make more choices or you look at more candidates, you're going to be able to have a better idea of what candidate may be a good fit. Now, moving forward a couple of years into the generative AI world that we find ourselves in today for the past year or so, there's tons of chat GPT references, you name it. Now, where generative AI differs from, let's say, the machine learning part of AI is how can it, how can, how can AI find information um, for, let's say, let's, like, let's use a use case for a candidate in terms of asking a question back and forth about benefits or FAQ questions. Mm -hmm. Almost as like its own digital candidate journey assistant, candidates may have questions that they are very curious about before the interview or stuff to get them prepared before uh, a remote interview. And generative AI can harness that. So it can pull information at the right time to make sure that it displays it to that candidate or the recruiter based on the question that they're asking. So it could be, hey, so what's the vacation policy for this sales role that I just applied for? So you can harness what when I when I talk about generative AI and when we talk about generative AI, it's to pull the right information at the right time. And a mm -hmm. lot of people say, hey, you know what? What, what? what if it what if it pulls information from the Internet? What if it starts talking about next president or, or things that clearly are going to be counterintuitive in, in moving that candidate through that tunnel? That's why I would talk a lot about AI within guardrail, within your own parameters, within your own system, where that could be a workday, an RSD, SAP, you name it. Let's make sure that the information that's being pulled on the generative AI piece is going to be internal information that's either already on your website or it's going to be part of a playbook or things that you are now going to allow your candidates or want your candidates to know throughout their candidate journey. So we're harnessing and we're pulling the information at the right time for a great experience. So when somebody says <clears throat> conversational AI, yeah. how is that different than generative AI? Like, is this, it seems to me, right? And and I think part of this is the education of, of us all uh, yeah. about this, you know, uh, level of, of sophistication. AI is this, you know, broad term that, you know, encompasses a, a lot of different things, right? Machine learning, like you just art articulated, you know, maybe deep learning models or maybe even robotic process, you know, automation. And so it can get a little bit confusing yeah. uh, as it relates to like, what are we using AI for? So, you know, like when we read your website and we, we see something like conversational AI, is that similar or is that different than generative AI? Yeah. So when I think of conversational AI, which I think is a little too broad now, there's kind of two different ways to think about it. There could be a conversational bot. There's been a lot of buzz in the industry about different types of chatbots, co-pilots, you name it. And when we talk about conversational AI, and let's say, let's say, for instance, the top of the funnel, engaging a candidate on, on, on the front half, uh, it can be very structured. So it can't be as conversational. So a lot of people mix up conversational AI with just a very structured type of conversation back and forth with the candidate, mm -hmm. because the goal of that interaction 
is if that person's a qualified candidate and looks like a great fit, particularly even a harder to fill role, or you come across someone, you're like, hey, you know what? We want to make sure that we sift and sort through those people that aren't qualified. We want to make sure we have a structured conversation and get them to that human as fast as possible. And that, that's Whether, not AI. That's just a structured that's process a, that's highly automated. Highly automated. And it's the confusion between conversational AI, and I'm glad you brought that up, and automation. I think sometimes people mix that up because it's used a bit too broadly. Where the conversational AI piece comes into play is when I was talking about the generative AI. So having a conversation with a boss or a co-pilot that says, hey, you know what, this is the, this is the, your upcoming interview. These are the three people that are going to be panel interviewing you. This is what the role's about. This is the responsibilities. If I'm a candidate, I'm getting prepped for that interview. It's now mobile friendly. And then I said, oh, wait, what, what about the vacation policy? I forget. Mm-hmm. Like, and then you start going back and forth and asking questions, and it's pulling information from, from whatever they had allowed that information to be displayed for that candidate. So then they can start having a more of a conversation as opposed to an automated structured response. And I think there's a good use case for both of them. But people just have to know when to use that based on the role industry, because I think it'll differentiate on those kind of the, the, the high volume nature of it as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as, as the, the communication norms change in the era that we live in, right? Yeah. I was having a conversation actually with the head of analytics over at iSIMS at HR Tech. And she was really educating me that, that basically the micro update, right, is kind of here to stay, right? Which is, you know, th- this idea of, you know, and they, they do a lot of, you know, study within their database on communication preference and, and this idea that almost half of folks that they study, that they engage with, prefer text messaging in essence as a as a communication method right and and so yeah. and and this idea that yeah to have good crisp communication maybe we need to do some synchronous communication like we're doing right now but as i work through a process this micro update and and she used the domino's pizza as an example yeah and, and just how if I go order a Domino's pizza, I know what time that thing's going into an oven. I know what time it's got it's landed in the car. I know what time it's showing up on my street, et cetera, et cetera. And so I guess, you know, in this high volume world that, that you live in where, you know, we have a lot of flow, right? So it's not, you know, let's pick on high volume because I, you know, I guess per your, your, your pitch there, you do, you know, both high volume where there's flow and then I'm assuming you know, also you work and strategize on processes where you don't have flow and you're trying to curate experiences. Yeah. But where we have flow and knowing that communication is, 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 is critical, um, do, do candidates, are candidates okay with conversing with a bot? Like, are they, do, do they find that that is uh, an acceptable process to, to go through? And and maybe just talk me through the pros and cons of that. You know, when when you're when you're thinking about trying to get scale on areas where you've got a, a lot of flow. Yeah, no, absolutely. And this comes up time and time again in terms of the level of automation and and chatbot interactions that's appropriate for the types of candidates that you're attracting. Now, in your scenario where you have flow coming in and getting to candidates. And in a timely manner in an era where instant gratification is huge, um, getting to those qualified candidates. You're, the, the reality is these candidates are not just 
applying to one role. So how can we get to them as fast as possible? So there's a balance. So I think a pro to that is you can sift and sort and interact with candidates 24-7. Let's let's pick on healthcare for a second. They're not a nine to five Monday to Friday. They're Mm -hmm. they're hiring not they're hiring Monday to Friday, they're hiring weekends, they're interacting. So having a chatbot that can interact in some of those high volume where you have flow to engage with the candidate and say, hey, you know what, you're interested in this role, we can at least navigate you to the right role, we can get you connected to the recruiter. It's almost like navigating them to a human as fast as possible, but that's Mm. working Mm 24-7. So while you're having the flow, it can help a recruiter on the bandwidth side for efficiency to get to them. And then on the candidate side, it's almost like an instant gratification feel where, hey, you know what, I'm interested in a role and someone's interacting right now. Now, there's going to be a pro and con here that I will throw in where some people want to know want to know if it's a chatbot. There's other mm-hmm. chatbot companies where they want to make it seem like it's a human. Mm-hmm. I think the, in specific industries and in specific high volume instances, it's almost better that you let them know and you're transparent that you're interacting with the chatbot because that's in the era of transparency, you're going through this candidate journey. You want to be truthful to them throughout. Yeah. And if you kind of picture it as or you frame it as, this is a great way to automate some of that administrative, but get you to that human as fast as possible. You mm-hmm. seem like an awesome fit. I think that's still an awesome experience for the candidate. And it helps the recruiter internally because it's very tough to get to all of those recs and all to those resumes, particularly when you're trying to find that needle in the haystack. We found ourselves in an industry where we've opened up the floodgates in terms of Indeed and some of these other vendors out there where you can press one click apply. And I know it's that that model has changed a little bit now, but still the same, you can still get a lot of candidates and a lot of them aren't relevant. So I want to make sure I can get to that relevant one as fast as possible and it gets to me as fast as possible. So having that where you have flow can help the recruiter, but also can help the candidate interact right away and get them connected to that recruiter Mm -hmm. as fast as possible. What are some, I was always taught, and I was taught this by an IO psychologist really early on in my career. I was always taught that like, hey, the more, you know, measures of validated assessment that you can do on a human, the better the hiring outcome, like against your organization, your culture, your job description, relevancy, the better shot you have of creating a good hiring outcome. Yeah. And so as we're trying to speed things up and trying to like move people as fast as we possibly can through a process or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's always kind of been interesting to me to think about how like pulling off time where maybe that time was used for assessment or used for behavioral assessments or whatever to just rapidly move somebody through a a funnel to to, to get them hired, offered as fast as we can. How, How do you balance that idea of like, hey, we still need to screen and drive quality into this but we also need to balance speed and execution. Does Humanly have a point of view on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? I think working within the industry, such as healthcare, financial services, it's great to have that efficiency as a pillar of value for this type of automation and conversational AI, depending on where you deploy it. But at the end of the day, if you're bringing in people that aren't going to stick around for a long time, then it it will have a counterintuitive effect in terms of people are not retaining for past 90 days. Like it just because we're getting in a lot of candidates and we're speeding that up doesn't necessarily mean that those candidates 
are going to stick around. So to your mm-hmm. point, how can we, and I think this is a great, a great value driver for conversational AI in, in general, is that it can layer in and it can adapt to pretty much any workflow. So we work with a lot of different types of assessment vendors out there to measure the type of quality of that candidate. Mm-hmm. And it can be now used as a mechanism of delivery to make it a little more streamlined so it's a better candidate experience as opposed to you're doing this and it's more of a kind of a siloed stage by stage. Mm-hmm. So I think absolutely. I think there's other a lot of other great things that conversational AI can help with in terms of even retention and focusing on quality. And I think some of that ties into onboarding. There's mm-hmm. t- a tremendous amount of research out there on how even in white collar high volume, if that if that onboarding experience is is top notch, then that can that can really signal whether or not that person's going to stick around. And if you can measure that from the point that they interact with your brand all the way through the onboarding and employee experience, you can start to get really hard data on whether or not this conversational AI or this um, recruitment marketing or this channel was the most effective in getting those candidates and converting them. So our stance is absolutely it can. It can be used as the the mechanism of both delivery and then the intake of the data because there's still a lot of disparate systems out there that create a poor experience for the candidate at mm-hmm. the end of the day, ultimately. So whether it's an assessment, whether there's other systems that aren't speaking well to each other, how can there be a co-pilot that can make sure that the candidate is on the forefront? It's still a very candidate-centric approach out there, particularly in those industries that I mentioned. And how can I make sure that we're focusing through that, but also adhering to their processes and workflows that may have an assessment that measures their quality to that mm-hmm. role? And then we start looking at that data alongside the conversational AI analytics. It's going to be very powerful on, on whether or not, as you go forward, how to use that assessment or where to use that chatbot or that conversational in, uh, insight over time. Yeah. When, when a, couple, a couple of questions here, and this is more of a, like a, a, a tactical question. So like when you're saying like, hey, you know, a candidate's coming through the process and they got a question about benefits, for example, that they type in, you know, as a text or, you know, on their PC or whatever, the question, when, when you're saying that, you know, generative conversational AI, the technology, what, is then going and looking at my site, looking at data resources to then answer that question? Or am I needing to somehow, as a talent acquisition leader, load that data or create that data set so that that question can effectively be answered? Can, can you talk me through how that works? I'm just kind of curious for myself, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when we think about deploying different conversational AI at different stages, what I like to think about is that at each stage of the, your candidate journey, depending on what role or job family that you're looking for automation or chatbot. If we're looking at the front of the funnel, there may be specific questions that you want your candidate to, to ask and, and be able and the conversation way I'd be able to answer. Mm-hmm. And there's other stuff that, hey, you know what, I don't think that's relevant because it's just at the front stage. You should only ask mm-hmm. questions to get them to that recruiter as fast as possible and or get them to that stage if they're qualified. Because going back and forth with a chatbot might be counterintuitive. You just want to get them as fast as possible in that in that role, particularly if you're thinking about a nurse or a, or even someone in the financial services or an insurance agent, like sometimes it's hard to combine some of these qualified candidates. So we want to make sure, I always call it as like a choose your own adventure candidate experience mm. to make sure that they get to that human as fast as possible. So what we would do is analyze, sit down with a TA leader, understand the processes, even from a, a process mapping 
standpoint and be like, where can you layer in automation to make this more efficient, but make sure that that doesn't compromise things like candidate experience and retention over time. Mm-hmm. That efficiency is great to your point earlier, but we want to make sure at each stage, what's going to be most prevalent. Now, looping it back to the generative AI piece, how do we know when to, when to, when to serve up that information to that candidate as they move along through that funnel? What's going to be the most effective? So we'll sit down and see which layers of automation, conversational AI is appropriate. And then we can either load up information and data that may already be, because a lot of what we do and a lot of, quite frankly, conversational AI platforms out there will layer and harness data from systems that you already have, such as the Workdays, the the, the CRMs, like Beamery's. There's a lot of great information in there and and, and ServiceNow. There's tons of information that they can now grab and then surface for that candidate. And there's also things like uploading things like playbooks at different mm-hmm. stages. So at the front half, maybe you don't want them asking about um, vacation policies just yet. Maybe we found that, or maybe they're asking about benefits quite a bit on the front half. And maybe that's something that we should make sure that shines through. So there's a lot of great insight you can figure out as you go through. But I think at each kind of area and stage of the candidate experience, you want to load enough data and or allow it to harness the data and pull it from the respective systems to ensure, once again, they have a great, phenomenal candidate experience. Those questions are going to be relevant to them because we have figured out over time that when they get to the second interview, they're really, really concerned about whether or not they can work in a remote environment. And that seems to be super important. So we want to make sure that type of data, just as, a, as an example, is going to be available for them and to talk, talk about or talk through, or maybe it's a two-day out of the three or the five-day work week type of policy. So we try to figure out where that's going to be the most prevalent and have the most impact. And being experts in these industries and having a lot of customers in them, we begin to see over time what kind of conversations are taking place on the front end of that type of candidate and mm. that type of role and what type of data is going to be relevant to increase that conversion or ensure that it's a little more efficient and or having still having that great candidate experience as we move through. So mm-hmm. it's really about what, are, what are some of the conversations that you know, just across industries, across whatever that that candidates want to have early on up funnel that 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 are maybe interesting or ahas for the community. Yeah, so I, I one that came up recently, and this probably isn't a big surprise for a lot of K leaders, CA managers, and even recruiters, is that candidates want to know whether remote remote work is fair to stay. Like I know mm-hmm. there's a lot of when we talk about some of the bigger financial institutions, are they going back and working? in the office for two days out of the five, like what does that look like and what is their stance on that? And is that going to change? That so they want to know that through the apply process. They're, they're interested right away. in that well, right away is just the return to work policies of that organization. Hmm. Yeah, because it seems to be changing from mm-hmm. month to month as companies are being like, hey, you know what? Maybe we, maybe we bring back some of the employees just as mm-hmm. a part-time type of situation. And that's a you know what, I'm, I'm now used to staying at home for five days. I now have a young kid, whatever the case may be. So I'm not mm-hmm. even going to go through that process if I figure out that it's not going to. Hmm. So there's kind of data and information that you can serve up at the front half that they're looking for. And they've asked a lot about it through the chatbot and or through the conversational AI hmm. instance that they will ask for. And it's really interesting because as a TA leader, sometimes you don't realize, and this is one that we were working with, that they were really interested and excited about the benefits package that seemed to be advertised through the job description in the company. The, the TA leader was like, hey, this is how I think I should describe it or whatever, right? So they're yeah. exci- the TA leader is excited about this, what they have to offer. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then you realize that candidates are asking about something completely different. Yeah. And that's the most exciting thing. And sometimes you just don't realize like shining a light, even in remote interviews. So we found a mm. lot of when we figure about kind of bias and, and DEIB in remote interviews, like a co-pilot can now enter an interview like this going back mm. and forth and start giving you really interesting insight. Now, when we're talking about some now, of when those you say a co-pilot, so now we're moving into a different type of thing. And so it's like basically somebody that's in the interview, some AI that's in the interview, that's note taking, that is uh, maybe helping keep things on the rails inside of the interview. Is that, a, is that an easy way to think about it? Yeah, you nailed it. Exactly. Yeah. What shows um, up in that, in that data? Well, a lot. Um, <laughs> as you're, I know you were smiling right away. So sometimes it's one of those things where they don't want to know. But, mm -hmm. but if you start analyzing that data, and it's not the most profound type of data and analytics that you need to figure out, hey, if you're working for a, if you're hiring for a hard to fill engineer or nurse, mm -hmm. and we realized over time that this customer, other recruiters were, were talking over the female engineers a lot more than the males. And then, of course, when they got to an offer stage, they were dropping off. Hmm. And it was just a very talk to listen ratio that can be measured very easily. But hmm. that's a profound type of. That is a that, huge insight. That's, that's a, a really nuanced, subtle insight that you would never get right? just by and, gut and intuition. Exactly. And you would never know that was going on. And it was, mm. it's not the most advanced type of insight, but it can change your, your kind of the way you think of your candidate mm. journey and even training and development and how you consistency within the interview and, and when you meet people. So I, I think there's mm. just a lot of great insight that you can collect. And are you finding getting... more and more of your clients are deploying this recruiting assistant inside of interviews and is having a, 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 a conversation I think you were at Wreckfest as well, but I was there yeah. talking to a mutual friend over at HCA, and he was really evangelizing to me how important you know that strategy was for them. Meaning, you know, they were doing some some interview, you know, kind of AI listening, and then they were doing it also at the offer stage. And so, really interesting stuff. Do, do you find that the user adoption on that is is hard for recruiters to get their head around of having somebody listening to their interviews? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I think that's a, I, you know what, and I think that's a huge barrier and I think it will take time. But what our stance on that is, there was a lot of great video interviewing that would analyze the candidate. If mm -hmm. you flip it around and focus around helping the recruiter, if you kind of in the user adoption on the internal process, once again, really helpful for efficiency, because now we can transcribe all of your notes and do AI follow up. Mm -hmm. So if I have seven or eight interviews in a row, I don't remember what I told that candidate right. on a Monday morning as opposed to a Friday afternoon right. or a long weekend, right? So if there's a way to transcribe notes and be like, hey, this is what you should follow up with the candidate, or this candidate said over time, they brought up remote work six or seven times in that interview, and you get mm -hmm. to see over time. But if essentially, it's helping that recruiter follow up, do mm -hmm. notes, um, mm -hmm. become a better recruiter. And that's mm -hmm. not even, and that's more on kind of just helping a recruiter from day in and day out, as opposed to analyzing candidate sentiment and some of those deeper analysis. And I think we'll get there, particularly to some forward thinking companies are really into that. And there's mm -hmm. other companies that say, hey, you know what, that efficiency piece for recruiter helping their, their logic is, hey, recruiter bandwidth is a real issue, burnout's a real issue. So how can we help them on the front line as you angle it such, a, such as that? It's really helpful for that recruiter day in and day out who's doing all of those interviews on the front line. 
Yeah, I mean, there is, I mean, you know, so much inefficiency and start stops for recruiters on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a engineering challenge at some level yeah. for, for them going through their, their day. And, and primarily, as I have been in the industry for, for some time and, and trying to help figure out how to solve that problem, it's that we've got them over multiples of interfaces. I got you a database for this and your ATS. I got you. I want you out there on LinkedIn and, and interfacing you know, out there. Now I've got you this referral platform that I want you working in there. I got you a CRM and I want you working in there. And now I got you Humanly and I want you working in there. Talk to me a little bit about you know, Humanly's point of view on the recruiter UI yeah. and where that's headed. And you know, it, it, if I'm sitting here listening to this and say like, hey, listen, like this all sounds really good, but one more system. I had a good friend of mine and, and he said it, it's kind of like HR tech by a thousand cuts. It's like how many different HR pieces of tech can I get in here and, and you know, make me what I believe to be efficient but actually make me more inefficient because I haven't engineered it correctly. So a lot to yeah. unpack there, but I guess just what, what's your point of view on the recruiter experience and UI? And let's start there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's so important and it comes time and time again. That's one thing that I noticed at HR Tech this, year, this time around is that there are still talking to TA leaders. Disparate, disjointed systems that don't speak well together is still a huge challenge. Mm-hmm. So creating and buying more tech to not even layer on, but just as another entity, another UI, to your point, hurts the recruiter experience. And I, I would bet that it also hurts your candidate experience as well, mm. because it's disjointed. Do they all speak together? Are the data getting into the right areas? Because if it's hurting the recruiter experience, then it's going to have an impact on the front kind of candidate experience as well. And that's kind of our stance there. So what we want to do, and this is what we did really well right off the bat four years ago when we were kind of born out of the SAP IO program is really figure out what the best way to integrate and layer into their process, almost mm-hmm. like the snowflake of HR. Mm-hmm. We don't want to create the next big, the next big system that they're going to have to log into. What we want to do is to layer into those bigger ATSs and CRMs that they're already using today. And in some cases, help streamline that from getting that candidate from the front piece. Maybe they're using a CRM all the way into the ATS, wherever those recruiters want to use and what they're used to we're able to adapt to that. And I think that's a huge advantage to conversational AI and having a co-pilot where it follows that candidate no matter what and follows the recruiter. Mm-hmm. Essentially, it's almost like a recruiter personal digital assistant that can help them schedule, that can help them get that candidate interviewed, can help them follow up for, with that candidate. Yeah. So our stance on that is we don't ever want to be the next system because we have seen time and time again, that op- often isn't the solution. I think there's things that can help with that, like mobile texting, and that can be layered in as well. But that can also be layered into some of their systems already, right on top of that Workday ATS or the SAT or success factors. Like, I think our stance is to be layered into their systems to help the recruiter work more efficiently within mm-hmm. the UIs they're already more comfortable with. So I think what I'm hearing you say, if I'm if I'm understanding it correctly, and and I, and I've heard this. Um, recruiter assistant analogy used by other vendors and in the industry as well. Like, like I feel like that's a, that's definitely an analogy that's starting to show up that I think probably is simple enough and well understood by the practitioners myself to understand where it might fit into the ecosystem. And so understanding that 
your point of view, it sounds to me like you run behind the scenes. And me as a recruiter, an individual recruiter that has 40, 50, 60, 70 requisitions, like whatever I'm dealing with, 20, 30, 40 managers that I'm dealing with, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily, to reap the benefit of this assistant, I don't necessarily need to log into some system outside of maybe getting the thing set up or whatever. It's running for me behind the scenes, and I'm still doing my, my, my core job in the work days, in the SAPs, in the N4s, in the ISIMs of the world. Is that, is that a good way to think about that? You got it. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. And, and so then that, that becomes a really, you know, kind of interesting value proposition for, you know, especially in a, in a place like healthcare where, you know, we, we've got multiple challenges on multiple fronts, meaning I've got, I've got high volume challenges. I have those. I have, you know, a high vacancy, low volume challenges, meaning nurses, like I got a lot of vacancy, but I don't have, you know, enough talent to go around. So when when we think about those types of positions, right, where we've got a high vacancy, low supply, are those different workflows than the ones that we've been talking about? Meaning, you know, do, would I ever put a nurse through you know, this conversational AI experience, or is my job with a nurse to get, you know, he or she to the recruiter as fast as I can? Like, 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 talk to me through that. Talk me through that dynamic. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious on how those two workflows work together or, or, or are different. Yeah, no, absolutely. So when we think about the hourly high volume where we've seen chatbots and conversational AI have such a profound impact, they can automate a lot of the back and forth within that candidate. And what we've found and research has shown that candidates that interact with a chatbot in those through a lot of throughout their candidate journey, is still a good experience. It's almost mm-hmm. like a, a filling the button in the seat, getting them in as fast as possible, particularly post-COVID. There were certain industries they needed to get them in as fast as possible. Automation helped and conversational AI had a great impact. Now, when we think about healthcare and nursing, and some of those white collar professional services, high volume instances, or not even high volume, hard to fill. What those are scenarios that are hiring to retain. So to your point, where can conversational AI have an impact there? And I think to your point as well, if a nurse applies to a role on a Saturday afternoon, what a conversational AI bot can benefit is engage him or her or they and say, hey, you know what, I want to get you scheduled to a recruiter Monday morning, this is their schedule, this is their mm-hmm. opening, here are some questions, boom, then a mobile experience to that that potential nurse, but a mobile experience to the recruiter, updated immediately, hey, there's looks like there's a great fit here, here she is from um, a certain school or a certain region, she's interested in this, this is the conversation that we had, so I'm a recruiter getting ready for my Monday morning, but I think to your point where conversational AI can have a big impact for nursing, or some of those harder to fill roles is getting them to the human connection as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's a phone screen, whether that's let's get them to that interview, or hey, this person's available right now. I'm going to bridge you to that call right now because we are looking desperately for nurses in this specific region or state. So I think it can help automate some of that interaction. But what's going to have the most profound impact after that is focusing on candidate experience. So once they have found them and they've gone and had a conversation with that recruiter, it doesn't just end there. That whole experience there has to be top notch because if not, they'll drop off and go to, to a competitor. They're not just mm-hmm. applying to one role. 
So where can that recruiting assistant, digital assistant, this co-pilot, however you want to frame it, can now help that nurse through that candidate journey, whether it's answering questions or getting him or her ready for that upcoming interview, being like, hey, this is your interviewer. This is what the, the role like pertains. Like That is a great experience, getting them ready and making sure that they're answering any question they want throughout that experience. And it doesn't stop there. So I was talking to a healthcare company about onboarding. And because some of these larger healthcare systems, as you well know, Matt Reimer, there are tons of there are tons of different areas in terms of that maybe their hospitals are in a different state or sure. don't have this many resources or anything like that. A nurse actually ended up dropping off after the 90-day mark because no one had really checked in with them. And mm-hmm. that candidate in these hiring to retain scenarios are worth so much to those organizations because they need to fill them. They need to fill them fast and it's tough to find qualified candidates. So if that candidate journey is great, and it doesn't lead over to the, the, the onboarding and employee experience, yeah. you will find yourself trouble there. And that's also where candidate and conversational AI can make sure, hey, are you having a good experience? Hey, have you connected with your manager? Hey, do you have everything you need? So that's another great use case I've found in some of those yeah. hiring to retain hard to fill scenarios. Last question. So if I am, yeah, this all sounds good. And, and you know, obviously the, you're not the only option on the market. There's lots of options out there. There's, there, there's, you know, you know, competition for this market space. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. What 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 are the what are the metrics that you coach? You know, as you're going through a sales uh, cycle, yeah. To anchor a business case around. It's like, all right, you know, obviously, you know, you're not free, right? And and so, you know, you you've got a company to run, and and you've got to you know pay to play, if you will. What well, what are the what are the metrics that when somebody sits down to you know pull up the Excel doc and do the ROI calculator and build that like what do you anchor on that a CFO would understand yeah. and would look at it and say hmm, conversational AI no brainer yeah no great question so when we sit down and and go through that ROI calculator, particularly when we're going through a tough economy or any type of turbulence in that regard, what's going to be important is is cost savings on the front end, which is fairly obvious now. But if we look at specific metrics that impact that are things like headcount planning. So from a CFO perspective, if we're growing or opening up three new hospitals, we're going to have to increase our bandwidth with the recruiters that we have today. And it's very tough to find really good recruiters in this in this market. We know that. Mm-hmm. But from a CFO perspective, if I don't have to hire, but I can also, I don't have to hire people to help with that growth, but I can also increase things like measuring candidate experience and what that actually equates to, or creating more an efficient approach, uh, process throughout the candidate journey in terms of time to hire or time to the recruiter, getting to that human connection as fast as possible in those scenarios. Like, what does that equate to in dollars and cents? But then reverting it back to you don't have to hire as many people anymore. But the benefits on top of that is better candidate experience, getting qualified candidates faster, putting them through that candidate journey fast and making sure that they're productive on the front end and ensuring that employee sticks around. So Mm -hmm. then tying that back into retention data. And that all impacts the business when it comes to dollars and cents. And I think CFO, beyond those efficiency metrics that I know a lot people talk about like the time to fill and time to hire. I think what's more powerful be even beyond that is measuring 
things like how are people measuring candidate experience today? How, mm-hmm. how are people are measuring their brand as it shines through the candidate experience for hospitals and even financial services and some of those hiring to retain areas? Those people are also consumers of your brand or their customers True. or their. So how candidate experience from a CFO perspective can also be measured in dollars and cents and can equate on the front line and actually impact those areas. So beyond kind of those efficiency metrics, which are profound and are important, things like measuring candidate experience qualitatively throughout is is crucial. And you're able to do that through understanding what's going on in interviews, through what's going on in the interaction with the candidate. And if they're sticking around throughout that onboarding experience, thus then impacting retention, which you can now measure very easily in terms of retention of, of, of individuals and candidates that are going through. So Love it. Well, I appreciate your time. I know we're we're at time, a little late start here today, so I want to get you on to your next meeting. So if, if somebody listening here wants to learn more about Humanly or engage with you, Sean, what is the best way to to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So Sean Paulseth on, on LinkedIn, I'm fairly active there. Please feel free to reach out. You can go to humanly.io as well to, to just learn more. I'm happy to connect. I'm happy to, to see if we can partner together or just learn more. I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to do that too. So let me know. I'm fairly active on LinkedIn and and I appreciate it, Matt. This is great. Yeah, Sean, appreciate your expertise today. Thanks for uh, jumping in the trenches with me and I'm sure we'll see each other out in the circuit here soon. Yeah, sounds good. Take care. Thanks, Sean. All right, we want to thank you for listening to TA in the Trenches. We are produced by Iron Mike and his team at Ironbound Media. Keep up the great work, team. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You also can find me out on LinkedIn where you'll find quick show riffs, Feel free to ping me. I always respond. Bye for now.